0: And we'll look at two passages and then Michael will get up. So let me take you to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through to 31. So this is, this is the very first chapter of the Bible. God is creating the whole world and then everything slows down and we hear, So God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, the other section of the Bible the New Testament to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. As I was saying that, I was going in the reverse direction. So forgive me why I catch up. Okay, and verse 22 through to 31. We recently read this. This is Paul. He turns up in a town, Athens. Uh, everyone's thinking about this question and he stood up in verse 22 in the meeting of the Areopagus and said people of Athens I see that in every way you are very religious for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship and this is what i'm going to proclaim to you the god who made the world and everything in it is the lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Good morning, everyone. Wonderful to see you here on the eve of Good News Week.
1: It's an exciting time of the year. Fantastic opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. So make sure you make the most of that this week. And uh, do offer up a prayer this week. Uh, for those who've put in some really hard yards, and we'll put in some hard yards this week, um, a whole team of people uh, putting together a thousand different things for Good News Week to make it happen, uh, do pray for them, give thanks to God for them as I do, uh, many taking long uh, annual leave to be here this week. It's just fantastic. So I remember them in your prayers. Now, as Tim said, we're in the "Who Are We?" series, uh, and we're going to kick off today with the question. Are we accidental or are we designed as human beings? Are we accidental, are we an accident, or are we designed as human beings? That's two very different worlds, isn't it? Uh, Are we the product of a random random chance event? Uh, Are we a fluke? That's one world, isn't it? Are we just atoms that have somehow collided together to make us as human beings... Um, some people take that view very seriously, or on the other hand, are we actually no no deliberately designed uh, by an intelligent creator by a god? Uh, that 's a very different worldview isn 't it? and others take that very seriously, many of us here um, they actually take those two answers actually take you into two different worlds, uh, two very different answers, and two Uh, very different ramifications for life that we're going to explore this morning. Uh, Let me share with you a guy who champions the first view, uh, the the view that we are an accident. Uh, Have a look on the screen. Here's a guy, his name's Bill Nye. Has anyone ever heard of him? Uh, There's a few. Uh, Apparently he's really famous in America. He's on Netflix, but I think it might be the American Netflix. Uh, He's called Bill Nye the Science Guy. Uh, Now, it's really funny, you've got to research people like this, because they look intimidating. He's not actually a scientist, he's a mechanical engineer, but we can trust engineers, can't we? Um, He's also a comedian, that's why I think he wears the bow tie. Um, He's written some best-selling books, uh, Undeniable, Evolution and the Science of Creation. Uh, The second one is Unstoppable, Harnessing Science to Change the World. Uh, so he's big on evolutionary theory and he's debated Christians on how we came into being. Now, he, his most, one of his most famous quotes actually answers this question that we're talking about this morning, who are we? Here's what he thinks of himself, here's what he thinks of you. I am a speck, on a speck, orbiting a speck, among other specks, among still other specks, in the middle of specklessness. Specklessness. That's his view of who you are. You see what he's saying? You are nothing, exactly. You are insignificant. You thought you were an important person, didn't you? You thought you had meaning. You thought you had purpose. Uh, You thought there was all kinds of wonderful things like that in the world. No, no, he's saying in the vastness of a random universe, you barely register. You barely matter. In fact, you don't matter. You are a speck if there's no God, if there's nothing more than what we can see, if the stuff of the universe just happened to come into being, to make the earth, to make billions of people, you're one of those, uh, are nothing. You're an accident. How are you feeling at this point? <laughs> is that true? Is that, is that the way to live life? Is that true is the first question is. What does that mean for life? That means something very, very different, doesn't it? Well, I want to make you feel a little bit better by quoting Richard Dawkins. You're actually not going to feel better. (laughs) He's one of the world's most famous and outspoken atheists, and he's got very similar views. Here's his thought. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, And you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. He goes on to say, the universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom, listen to this, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. You are, what's he saying? You are nothing. You are a meaningless accident. So we're all feeling good. Can you see how, if they're right, that has big implications, doesn't it, for life? That, this is a, if you're an accident, there's an ugliness to where that's heading, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, an ugliness, I think, in the Western world that we haven't even come to terms with yet, as we move away from Christianity. But if we're carefully and wonderfully designed by a loving creator... That also has massive implications, doesn't it? See, some people think that this question is really an academic one. It's actually just for the scientists and the theologians and, you know, it's actually, no, 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 it's actually a really, really important question, isn't it? It actually changes everything, the way you see all of life, the way you make decisions, the way you value life. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's got huge ramifications. Uh, it is a massive question with big implications. Uh And it's one where our Western society has shifted on, hasn't it? So we used to be quite anchored on God is our creator, we're wonderfully designed by him uh, with a purpose, uh, to move away from Christianity more towards the accident uh, side of the answer. Uh, We we probably haven't fully worked out the ramifications of that. We've got a bit of a Christian hangover, haven't we? We kind of like the ethics, the outworkings of believing in a God who's creator uh, without a creator but that might change if we keep moving away um, from God at the centre. Now what's the Bible's answer to this question? Uh, it's, it's a very, it shouldn't surprise you what I'm going to say this morning, uh, even if you're unfamiliar with the Bible you'll probably be aware the Bible is super clear that God is our creator, that he made us and he made everything, we've been created. Uh, We've been created by a loving and intelligent God. Let's have a look at some of the key passages. Uh, And if you've got your Bible there, you might want to flick to them with me. The two main ones are going to be Genesis chapter 1 and Acts 17. So if you want to leave your one finger in each, we'll we'll be referring to those two mainly. And then I'll just um, refer to a few others as well as we go through. So the first place we see this idea that God is greater is in Genesis chapter 1. We had it read out for us. Uh, It's absolutely foundational to Christianity. It's the first chapter of the Bible uh, where God is creating all things uh, and then out of nothing he speaks and out comes the universe, the world into existence. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, very clear that it all exists uh, because God spoke it into existence. Uh, Before the creation there was nothing, uh, there was only God, the eternal one. And over five days, he creates the world. And the sixth day, something extraordinary happens, doesn't it? Now have a look at verse 27, chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and fe- female, he created them. See, there is something really special, isn't it? God, amongst all the creation, uh, I think Tim even mentioned it, the creation, it's like it pauses something extraordinary is about to happen, humankind comes into existence. Humankind that is special, the pinnacle of the created order, unique uh, to the animals and everything else, not an accident at all, not an afterthought, but very deliberate, creatively, purposefully made, made to be like God. That's what it says, doesn't it? Made in the image of God, made to rule like God, made to relate like God made to love and verse 31 says this is not everything is good but this is very good this is very good that God has made uh, mankind male and female like this on to chapter 2 verse 7 uh, God actually personally breathes life uh, into humankind the, the author pauses there to tell us how special we are then the Lord God verse 7 chapter 2 formed a man from the dust of the, of the ground And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Psalm 139 actually goes further, doesn't it? To tell us how special we are amongst all of creation. I mean, God has his eye on the sparrow. Jesus told us that. He knows it all intimately, but there's something special about humankind, something special about you and I to God. Psalm 139. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that beautiful? The human body, complex and beautiful. God has done a, a fantastic job. The psalmist goes on to say, Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. See, how special is that? We are known by God, each and every one of us. We're not a speck. We're a person in God's beautiful creation. A a person that God made and that God knows. Uh, Psalmist goes on to say, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. God knows all about our lives before one of them came to be. So who are we? We're a human being made by God for whom God has great plans for. He knows every day ordained for us. We'll turn over to Acts 17. There's the Apostle Paul uh, speaking to the Areopagus, the uh, intelligent philosophers of the day, proclaiming the uniqueness of the one and true living God. And have a look at verse 24. Paul says the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Your view of God is far too small. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Listen, to this is the God that exists. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. See, there's no coming away from it. Everything belongs to God. Everything owes its life and purpose and breath and everything to him. Or look down in verse 28. For in him, Paul says, for in God we live and move and have our being. If there's no God, then you don't exist. He made you for his purposes and your life is in his hands. Um, There's other references. Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Or Isaiah forty-five twelve. It is I who made the earth, says the Lord, and created mankind on it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. See, the, see the, the universe, the world, us, we are puny, but we are special, made by God. God is the designer. Human beings are the pinnacle of his beautiful creation. There's no life without him. Now, if that's true, which many of us believe it is true, uh, that has huge implications, doesn't it? That has huge implications for how we live. I want to give you uh, three implications this morning and then I want to give you a problem that we all have, a solution very quickly and a choice that we we all need to make. So, three implications, a problem, a solution and a choice. That's where we're heading. Now, the first implication... On your outlines, you might want to fill it out. Humans, this is what it means, humans are inherently valuable. We, you and I, are inherently valuable. Now, we'll talk more about this next week when we talk about are we spiritual or material. But where does that idea come from? A lot of people just assume that, don't they? Of course, the human being is valuable. But that idea actually comes from Genesis chapter 1, that we are made in the image of God. Uh, There it is, right in in Genesis, we just saw it, didn't we, in Genesis chapter 1. God has made us in His image, special, precious, with a purpose. All life comes from Him. Um, So we are valuable. It's a bit like anything that is made. If you make something, it is valuable to you, isn't it? Uh, Because you've invested in it. Uh, You've put time and energy, resource into it. Uh, So it is with God. So most people believe... That life, human life, is valuable. Um, Do you? I'm I'm sure lots of you, most of you, would believe that as well. But here's a test for you. Do you believe that human life is valuable and the most valuable in all of creation? Uh, You're going home from church today. There's there's a dog injured in the gutter, and there's a person. There's a dog on the screen, not not looking too injured. there's a, there's a dog injured in the gutter and there's a person injured in the gutter. Now, who, who are you going to go to first? It's kind of a silly question, isn't it? I did have someone say to me this week, um, depends on whose dog it is. <laughs> but, you know, I love my dog and I'd I help my dog, but I, I would love you more, you'd be pleased to know. <laughs> you'd go to the person, wouldn't you? that person needs help, that person's precious, all those kind of things. Can I say to you, not everyone sees it that way. Uh, When I was a pastor in Sydney, there was uh, a funeral to be conducted. Uh, A lady in her 70s, her mum had died. She She was six weeks away from her 100th birthday. She was just about to receive a letter from the Queen and she passed away. So her daughter was in distress we sat down to talk about the funeral and during the, that conversation the lady said to me that she'd given up on human relationships actually quite a sad situation all her relationships had soured and she felt burnt she'd given up on God uh, and she told me very clearly I don't like people and she particularly hated her neighbor Kevin and she hated him so much that she said to me Michael if Kevin comes to the funeral I want you to stand up and say there is someone here that has made life hell for my mum now I didn't I didn't do that (laughs) Um, but she said there is someone that I love and that is my dog and she told me she loved her dog so much that if there was a person in the gutter who was injured and her dog was in the gutter she would go to her dog first. Except if it was Kevin, in which she would step on Kevin to get to the dog. Now, this is a fairly tense conversation as we discuss the funeral together. Um, but, you know, she'd been burnt. There's a whole kind of lot of things that have happened there, which are really sad. But think about it. If we're just atoms randomly come together, and that makes a human, and another lot of atoms come together randomly to make a dog, is there actually any difference between the two in value? Well, consider this one. What about a tree and a person? Is there any difference between atoms coming together to make a person, atoms coming together randomly to make a tree? Uh, Is there any difference in we, we put an axe to the foot of the tree, is it okay to put an axe to the legs of a person? <laughs> you, you really... We joke about those things, but you really want to think about the question, don't you? Why are human beings more valuable? Um, one, of, one of the guys I worked with when I was a civil engineer, uh, he, he had this sports car and he used to take a, sometimes give me a lift home and he used to drive in a very spirited manner at times. Um, Sometimes we're in a car park or a shopping centre when you come close to pedestrians. He'd he'd kind of joke and say, oh, I won't run her over. She might make someone happy one day. Um, And he said it as a joke. Um, But I thought, that line kind of... And he he definitely said it as a joke. Lovely guy, he'd never never do anything to anyone. Um, I thought, that line kind of stuck with me all these years. I thought, what's behind that joke? Life is valuable if you blank, isn't it? Insert the reason why it's valuable. Your life is valuable because you'll make someone happy one day. Uh, Your life is valuable because you can produce, uh, because you can make lots of money, because you are talented. Um, You you hear it sometimes, don't you? Um, She was so beautiful. What a shame. And you think, what if she wasn't beautiful? Is it still a shame? Like, the Bible just says, no. Your life is valuable because you're made in the image of God. You might be beautiful, you may not be beautiful. You may be talented, you may not be talented. You might make anyone happy ever. It's irrelevant. Every human life is valuable because out of all the creation, God says, you are made in my image. So so valuable is human life, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, have a look at this on the screen. This is what it says, whoever sheds human blood by human, humans shall their blood be shed. That's a, that's a strong call, isn't it? You mess with human life, you kill human life, God demands an account. He says in Genesis, your life will be taken. Now, why is that? Why is it, why is it that way? And it's not that way for killing an animal. And it's there in the rest of the verse, isn't it? For, because, let's just go back to it. For, in the image of God, has God made mankind. That's why it's so serious. That's why your life is demanded. You're made in the image of God. More than all of creation, we're precious. Uh, we're valuable to God. Huge implications, isn't it? It's, it's massive implications if we think about abortion, euthanasia, stem cell research, the disabled, assisted suicide, murder, there's a whole lot of issues isn't it? That we're actually making very different decisions on as a western society because we've moved away from that idea that we are made an image of God. Now come with me to the second implication on your outlines, if we're designed, so, so the first one is we're valuable, the second one is if we're designed we have a purpose, uh, we as human beings have a purpose now, I think that applies to everything that's designed, doesn't it? If, if there's a designer, if something has been designed, then it's been designed for a purpose. Uh, it implies that. Uh, if it's an accident, then it doesn't have any purpose. That's kind of the nature of an accident. It just happened. Uh, it just is. It doesn't have a purpose. Sometimes as Christians, I think we, we struggle with that accident one, don't we? Because we, we don't want to think anything's an accident. Why did you meet that person? Well, God wanted me to meet that person. why did you have the car accident? Well, I learned later there was a good reason why I had the car accident. God taught me enormous, enormous things. But that's because we're Christians, isn't it? That's because we're saying God is the creator. He has the sovereign plans for my life, He works out everything in accordance to His plans. That's a very Christian view. No, no, no. If, if it's an accident, it's an accident and it doesn't have any purpose. But if it's designed. Well, then it does have a purpose. Then we have a purpose. We're not just an accident. We're not just random. Uh, I think that's the case, as I said, for everything that's designed. Have a look at a car. Uh, so you look at your car there, and apparently Toyota says that there's 30,000 parts in a car. Uh, incredibly complex, isn't it? And what is the car? What of all, all those parts in the car are designed to do what? To, to move you. To transport you from A to B. Now some some cars only ever do that, just that's what they can do. Um, Others are designed for speed, for comfort, but that's what a car is. It's designed by a person, it's designed for a certain number of passengers, it's designed for a top speed, it's designed perhaps to tow a certain weight. That's what a car is designed for. Now you can use a car for another purpose, can't you? You can use it for a purpose it was never designed for. You can sleep in your car um, some people use it as a home. Uh, it wasn't designed for that, but you could use it for that purpose. You could even make up a purpose that the designer never had any intention for. Some people collect cars. Uh, some people just have cars in the garage so that just to look at or, or so that others will look at them and them. and uh, The designer wanted it to be driven, uh, to be used, uh, but you've made up a different purpose. Now, we've been purpose-built as human beings. Did you notice that in Acts chapter 17? Have a look at it with me. Acts 17, verse 26. From one man, God made all the nations, so there is the Creator, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Why did God do this? Verse 27. God did this so that they would seek him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. See the purpose? God's the creator. He knows where everyone lives. He's placed everyone exactly where he wants them to be. And what's the reason for that? What's the purpose? It's that so we might know God. It's so we might reach out and discover him and relate to him. The God who's not very far from any one of us, it says. Our purpose is to be connected in relationship with our Creator God. It's the idea in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God has set eternity in the human heart. We're kind of longing for that connection with our Creator, longing to worship and look to and focus and love someone greater than us. And we're, we're, doing, we're on a search mission all of our lives. And, and here Paul says, no, 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 that person is God. That's what you've been made for. And we've been made for more. Now, that, that leads on to the third implication. Uh, not just made for a purpose, uh, but here's the one, He's perhaps the biggest one, the one that gets the most pushback. If we're designed, uh, we're not our own. That's the logical next step, isn't it? You're not your own, you're, you belong to the designer. You belong to the creator. Uh, he has a purpose for you. You're not independent. You can't set your own agenda. Uh, that's not the way you were designed. Uh, our lives are not what we want to make them. They're actually what God wants to make them. And it's good. We belong to our maker. Now that hits, um, that hits us hard, doesn't it? Because in our human heart, we'd rather be our own. Uh, some people actually reevaluate all of life now and think, well, maybe we are an accident because that sounds more attractive. I can just do my own thing. Uh, so you might want to look into that more. But no, no, the Bible keeps saying that we're not, we're not independent. We're dependent to live out His purpose. It's the passage we picked up last week in Revelation 4. I uh, remember this passage, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Sorry about the text on the screen there. Um, what's our life about? It's about glory and honour and power to be given to God. Uh, why? because He's our Creator. See the two parts of that verse? All glory and honour and power to God because you are the one who created me and all, all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Uh, it's the same idea in Colossians chapter 1 re- referring to Jesus. See so what does Paul say there? He says the Son, you know, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He's the superior one. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. That's what we're made for. Now, if that's true, there's the three implications. If that's true, here's the problem. The problem is it's not okay to ignore God. If He's the Creator, if He's the Designer if he's the one who set a purpose for us, if he's the one who knows us, then we're actually accountable to him, aren't we? It's not okay to live an independent life. See, it's, it's an absolute craziness, isn't it? That, that is deeply offensive to God, isn't it? Here is God who's fearfully and wonderfully made us and we say to him, no, I choose to ignore that. I choose to run life my own way. That's, that's offensive when it happens in imperfect families. How much more is it when it happens against the perfect father in heaven? And so what does God say He'll do about this? Well, Acts 17, back, back to Acts 17, have a look down in verse 30. Uh, our last reference there to Acts 17. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, to change their mind. For he has set a day where he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. See what it's saying? God will call us to account. Uh, and, and absolutely right that he does that, isn't it? He is the creator. He is the maker. But you know, the great thing is it doesn't, God doesn't leave us there under judgment, uh, guilty as re- rebels, which we are. The good news is he actually provides a solution. Now, amazingly, God has done something about our independence. Uh, and that's what, that's what good, news is all, uh, good News Week is all about. There is good news. There are two, two, two aspects to this good news as we, we finish up. God has done it in Jesus. And there's two very key elements to that. One is he's a, it means God has appeared in Jesus. Secondly, Jesus has rescued us. And so the, the idea of that, that God has appeared is, is just incredibly helpful, isn't it? Because is there a God? Yes, there is a God. He's come in the flesh, in the person of Jesus. Am I created? What is my purpose? What do I need to do to reconnect with God? Look to Jesus. God has actually shown up. He's not silent. He's not distant. He's actually shown up in the person of Jesus to tell us our purpose, uh, to reconnect us with God to tell us and show us what God is like. It's a fantastic thing. Now, a guy by the name of John Lennox, uh, I think we've got a picture of him, uh, he uses this illustration of Aunt Matilda's cake. I don't know whether you've heard it before, but he just he wants to illustrate that there's certain things you can know from science and the experts, um, but knowledge of God and why we are here, you can't know from the scientists. He used the example of Aunt Matilda. She makes the cake. Everyone's got an aunt matilda haven't they who makes those lovely cakes um and he says you know you can get that cake out on the stage here you can bring out the experts you can ask the experts all about the cake they can analyze the cake um so you know he says that the the nutritionist can tell us how many calories are in the cake and why we shouldn't eat it and kill all our fun uh the biochemists can tell us about the structure of the proteins the fats all that kind of stuff but here's something the experts, the scientists, can't tell us. Why was the cake made? Why was the cake made? Who can tell us about that? Aunt Matilda. See, Aunt Matilda knows exactly why she's made the cake. She might not even understand all the molecular structure and all that. She's not interested, you know? Not to say that scientists don't have their place. Uh, they uh, give us great information on the structure of the cake and whatnot. But Aunt Matilda's the key... If you want to know the answer to, why is the cake here? Who is the cake for? And what God has done in Jesus is given us the answer in him. You want to know why we're we here? You've actually got to ask the right person, haven't you? You've got to ask. You've got to ask Jesus. The, the God who's actually turned up in a reliable, clear way. This is what I'm like. This is why you're here. Uh, all, those, all those questions. Not only that, Jesus has rescued us. Not only has Jesus shown us, God, why we're here, He's actually done something for us at the cross that we couldn't do for ourselves. He's actually dealt with our sin, our rebellion. He's actually forgiven us if we trust Him. See the wonderful thing that God has done? He's appeared, made Himself known, answered our question and then He's rescued us. He's offered us forgiveness, offered us a reconnection with our Heavenly Father. I want to leave you uh, with, with, this, with, this, uh, with this choice. Um, which way will you go uh, as you think about these things? Um, we, we started with two very different worlds, um, with very, two very different implications. Um, maybe you need to check out these things more. Uh, maybe you need to be convinced that, yeah, God really is there. He really has appeared in the person of Jesus. Can I encourage you to check that out? That God is our designer, our loving creator, uh, who wants relationship with us. So the real, the real choice there is, if that is true, will you bow the knee to him? Uh, will you reconnect with him? Um, that's what we're offering this week at Good News Week, isn't it? To our community, to reconnect with their loving creator. The other choice, of course, is uh, to ignore the creator. Uh, to live life your own way, uh, to try and somehow be independent, uh, of which God says, "I will call you to account for that. Uh, but can I encourage you, whatever way you go, that you actually check out the evidence? So we want to help you do that, uh, and one of the ways you can do that is through simply Christianity, uh, and on those welcome slips, uh, you can tick that you want to be part of that course, to explore these things, to actually understand, is Jesus real? Uh, what did he actually say? Um, what do I need to do to reconnect uh, with God through the person of Jesus? So why don't we, we finish there uh, and let me pray before the, as the musos come up for our final song. Our great Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, that you have not left us in darkness. Uh, you have appeared in the person of Jesus. Father, we, we thank you that you are our creator, our designer that we are valuable to you, that you have set a purpose uh, in our hearts to relate to you for all eternity. Uh, Father, we, we know in our hearts we're not our own. We, we ask for your forgiveness when we've tried to live life our own way. Father, turn us back to Jesus uh, as we seek again that forgiveness and that path, that purpose that you've set us on to love and to relate to you. Father, please, uh, this week as we share this message of Jesus, be with us, give us power, give us conviction. Uh, Please be with those who are considering these things, these big things, uh, to know how to relate to you, uh, to receive forgiveness and hope and purpose in life. Uh, Please be with them. We pray it all for Jesus' sake. Amen.